Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Daggett together with Tian Tian. It's time now for Market View. And we are going to focus a lot on global headlines later on. But as always, Tian Tian, a quick mm. recap of how we started the day. Right. So Singapore shares opened higher today, even though global markets were down over the usual culprits, slowdown in the Chinese economy and also uncertainties over the US debt ceiling deal. Now, we do know the House has advanced this to the Senate, but the question is what's next? So, back in Singapore, the Straits Times Index was up 0.2% to 3,165 points in early trade. Some 55 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, after the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed up 0.24%. We're looking at 3,166 points. Value turnover-wise, uh, that's $1.28 billion. Now, gainers outnumbered losers 270 versus 269. Top advances for today, JMH USD, DBS and Cortina. And top decliners, Shangri-La Hong Kong Dollars, Venture Corp and Jardin Cycle and Carriage. In terms of companies to watch, we do have iREIT Global because the Europe-focused REIT is acquiring a portfolio of 17 retail properties located across France. And as you mentioned, Elliot, global headlines continue to make the news today from China rolling out the red carpet to the likes of Elon Musk and JP Morgan's uh, Jamie Dimon to US debt ceiling vote and also how Asia's ultra-rich clans are poised to invest more in China. So for more market moves and views, let's speak to Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, welcome to the show. Hey, Tian Tian. Hey, so Terence, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers? Tian Tian, you know, every week you ask me this and then I'm a little bit embarrassed because you do such a good rep of the market just before this interview. <laughs> I, I, I don't really have very much to add. But, uh, well, STI is generally higher right now on yeah. the back of the US debt ceiling, right? Bill being passed in the House of Reps. And uh, I think now the owners... Or not think. I totally mm. believe that you know the owners now force on the Senate mm. to conclude it. Uh, for the last two weeks, that's what the markets have been worried about: risk on, risk off. And now mm. we are very much closer, and and that's what the consensus has been. Uh, the, the consensus, uh, the expectations, in the market uh, are pointing towards. So uh, let's see what happens uh, uh, towards the end of this towards the end of this week. So, Terence, now I know uh, you depend on Tintin for your prep. Uh. I know, I know. <laughs> but okay, I'll answer the rest of the questions too. If you're good, you're good. Uh. Okay, uh, I want to get the ball rolling on some companies to watch. Uh, I read Global. Uh, it's a Europe-focused REIT acquiring a portfolio of 17 retail properties located across France. Uh, the money we're looking at here is 76.8 million euros. Works up to about 112 million Sing dollars uh, through its wholly owned subsidiary. Uh, what are your thoughts on what this means for the firm? Well, uh, Iric Global is really no stranger to France. Um, they have 27 retail properties uh, over there uh, with Decathlon, and that values it as, at, I believe, about 127 million euros. Uh, other key exposure uh, include Germany. Germany is a large one. Uh, when Iric listed, everybody thought Iric was just Germany. So there's 660 euros over there, and for Spain, it's about 164 million euros. I think the thing about this acquisition is that France would leapfrog uh, Spain to become the second most important geography uh, for IREIT. And more more importantly, this move really helps to reduce its reliance uh, 
on Germany, currently one of the key income generating assets. Uh, it's called the Berlin Campus that accounts for over 20% of the rental income uh, as of 20, uh, 2022. And I believe that this acquisition in France is actually a good move to reduce the, the, the concentration risk. And if you look at the financials of IWE, it is quite healthy. Uh, as of the first quarter of this year, gearing stood at about 32%, uh, which is decent compared to compared to the average read uh, gearing of about 38%. And the interest cost uh, remains stable at 1.9% uh, per annum with no debt maturity until November 2026. And that's great because you know, interest rates have been skyrocketing globally. Off to the region, Terence, I do want to look at some uh, headlines relating to China. Now, UBS says Asia's ultra-rich clans, they are poised to invest more in China after retreating in 2022. But also, at the same time, if we look at Refinitiv data, foreigners sold $1.71 billion US dollars worth of mainland shares in the month of May via Stock Connect. So, your thoughts on what, you know, what's the outlook ahead for China as far as investments are concerned? Well, well, there's really a lot of conflicting news coming out of China. Uh, first, the uh, good news. In 2023, unlike 2022, uh, or any time the last two, uh, three years, right, uh, we are faced with reopening. And the reopening is obviously great uh, for uh, both the, uh, for, for the Chinese economy. So you can see uh, uh, people going back, traveling back into China, and, and the Chinese are also spending more uh, government has also, like, I think, removed the stick on various sectors. You know, they have been very, very harsh uh, between 2020 and 2022. So uh, some of the sectors that got hit were the, obviously the tech guys, the property uh, sectors, uh, as, as well as uh, the, the retail, uh, retail industry. Uh, so people have been, uh, so that's the good news. But then on the negative front, mm. uh, if you look at the PMI, the print on the PMI yesterday, that's priced on the downside. Uh, uh, it's lower than expected, 48.8 in May uh, versus 49.2 in April. People are expecting it to actually like at least be on par with, with the April figures. And uh, since we were, talk- we were talking about the stock market, right, uh, it has been kind of weak, actually very, very weak, uh, despite companies reporting solid earnings. Mm. 90% of the Chinese-listed companies uh, on average reported 5% growth in their earnings. Uh, but there's a bit of a divergence between uh, the earnings and share price performance, and I, I think that is where the you know the China risk premium uh, sets in. Uh, there's there's some long-term structural headwinds. Uh, obviously, there's a local government there. There's uh, unemployment, which is climbing, especially amongst the the, the young graduates. So all these are worrying signs. Mm-hmm. So I believe you know some of the high net worths will still be actually waiting for the right time to enter into China, though, um, you know, there are some positive uh, signals coming to 2023. Seems to be a bit of a marketing campaign going on as well when you also add in issues like the geopolitical tensions between China and the US and whatever allegations fly back and forth. We see the red carpet being rolled out for the likes of Jamie Dimon from uh, JP Morgan, uh, Tesla's Elon Musk, all meeting with government officials, uh, reports that NVIDIA, Starbucks, Jardine Matheson also on the radar. So with all that in mind and this marketing, as I call it, uh, marketing campaign, does it allay fears? Does it attract business? to go back into China, they're reopened. Come, what are your thoughts? Marketing campaign is right. Uh, they, they do need to, they, they do need to like, move up many, many notches when it comes to uh, the image. And uh, we just need to look at the hard 
economic figures uh, coming into the foreign direct investments. Uh, China really, really, I think, needs it right now. For first four months uh, of this year, their BI was like uh, 1.7 trillion. I mean, that sounds like a huge number, but it is 13% lower than the first four months of 2022. And mind you, 2022 has not been the best of years, right? So, um, uh, and I, I think that China really needs to attract uh, international investors. Uh, and I'm sure uh, if they, they don't want to give off the vibes of being a closed economy by focusing you know, con- continuously on all the issues. Uh, that, there's been many, many probes. Uh, the governments uh, in many, many different countries have been whacking China. So I, I think that this is one way uh, that they can like come through by meeting some of the biggest companies in the world, some of the most well-known and, and like you said, uh, putting up the red carpet for them. Hmm. You know, Terence, although NVIDIA is tipped to visit China, its chief Jensen Huang said he hasn't decided if he would visit China. Uh, your thoughts on this? Is he trying to uh, hint something? Mm, well, I, I think that there's, of course, a lot of uh, politics involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think for him, it's also a little bit tricky, uh, given ah. his nationality and all. So, uh, but I wouldn't overread into it. There, there will be I, I mean, uh, over the next, the last few years and over the next few years, uh, there will be a lot of jostling. And, and I believe that uh, geopolitics will, will rule large when it comes to uh, relationships uh, between countries and also like uh, for China to continue to attract and bring in the, the FBIs. Hmm. Okay, and staying in the region uh, within Asia, Terence, the Financial Times reported that Malaysia and Indonesia will delay trade talks with the European Union while they seek fairer treatment for small palm oil producers. How concerned should we be? Well, um, I, I think let's take a couple of step back. Uh, uh-huh. step back. Um, the issue of this concern is uh, really uh, due to the deforestation law, agreed uh, by the US, uh, the EU lawmakers uh, last December, which you know, bans, you know, any kind of like, agricultural products from being sold in the block unless they're certified uh, as coming from a sustainably managed land from countries labelled as low, uh, stand, uh, as, as having a, whether it's low standard or high risk. And and I think that the likes of uh, Malaysia and Indonesia, they're also uh, kind of worried right now. Many of these smaller uh, palm oil producers are unable to comply with this requ- requirement due to a variety of reasons. Mm. Uh, be looking at not having the expertise or funds to actually uh, uh, for for compliance reasons, and this is an, an area in which both governments are already looking at, and have even set up you know the the relevant certificates of sustainable uh, palm oil. Uh, but all these things are going to take time, mm. and uh, I believe that you know they would need to have some form of agreement with with EU, uh, and failing which I think that. Uh, there will be a uh, drop in supply and that is where I believe uh, palm oil prices will actually appreciate. And finally, one quick one before we let you go, uh, Terence. Let's take a look at what's happening in the US. Uh, the US debt ceiling deal now goes to the Senate before President Joe Biden can sign it off. Uh, will all be well? Can investors uh, put this behind them as they look to June's uh, FOMC meeting and the next interest rate decision? Well, be well. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, but with part one of this saga concluded, uh, White House congressional uh-huh. leaders uh, must convince uh, the Senate to pass the, the legislation. 
uh, I think it shouldn't be a big issue mm. as uh, Democrats have the majority over their case of action. Even when they don't, um, I, I believe that there's enough push uh, for the Senate to want to uh, bring this through. Uh, and we could see, potentially we could see uh, Friday, I mean, to, to happen on Friday or even the weekend voting. Uh, and hopefully they can come up with that 100 senators uh that, that magic number, right? Mm. Um, and I believe the market-based case is that the weekend voting should happen. Mm. Uh, if that fails to materialize, then really, I, I guess your, your guess is as good as mine. Okay. And uh, we'll have a lot of work to do if that does happen. Uh, so thanks a lot, Terence. That was Terence Wong, CEO at Azure Capital, and have a great weekend ahead. Thanks, Tian Tian, and thanks, Elliot. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.